Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got David Duncan on the line. David, how are you? I'm good, Michael. Thanks. How are you? I am great. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you are an author of a new book, and I love the approach that you took with writing this book. So why don't you share with the audience a little bit about you, and then we'll dive in uh, to the book, why you wrote it, and and some of the things that uh, the book's about. Sure. Uh, I'm a consultant by profession for a firm called Insight. It was started by the late, great Professor Clayton Christensen about 20 years ago, and uh, we work with companies helping them to find new opportunities to grow and innovate. And a lot of our work is about helping them figure out unmet needs that customers or potential customers have out there in the world that they might solve with new solutions, new businesses. And uh, so I've done a lot of work around customer understanding techniques, and uh, my book uh, relates to that. That's a great story, and, and obviously, you know the the work that you've done and, and the people you've worked with, uh, obviously, are are world class leaders like yourself, and it, it makes such a big difference in, in in the things you do. So, let's talk about this book uh, and, and highlight, you know, why. And I always ask authors this: Why in the world would you give, you know, so much of your time to write a book? Because it's not something you you, you hammer out in a weekend. It's uh, you, of course, you can though. You know, you can put an ebook out there in a weekend, I suppose. But uh, for a book like this, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort. So, tell us about the book. Yeah, the book aims to teach anyone working in any role in any type of organization the skills and tools and concepts they need to understand the customers that they serve or they want to serve. Uh, and importantly, I believe everyone working in an organization has customers that they need to understand. And I define a customer as a person, a group or an organization whose problems and goals you want to understand well enough that you can find ways to help them. And by that definition, then clearly people working in sales or marketing or product development or innovation or or leadership certainly needs to understand the customers outside the organization they serve. But it also means that people in internal functions like HR and finance, they have customers too, internal to the organization. In other words, there are people whose problems and goals they wanna understand so they can help them with those things. So it's a very broad audience. Um, you know, it would include small business owners, entrepreneurs, anyone who needs this toolkit for understanding customers. And I wrote it because I, I didn't really see uh, an approach out there in the market that's a standard, widely accessible way to do that. And we've developed, uh, you know, a range of techniques in our work over the last 20 years. And uh, so that was the, the, the target audience. And uh, it's written in a somewhat unusual format through a, a, a fictional mystery detective story. Um, and uh, I can talk a little bit about why I chose that format, but that's, that's the answer to your question about why I wrote it and, and kind of who it's for. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into you know why you chose the the fictional side of things, but you know I, I love the title you know about the secret lives of customers because marketers and people that are looking to see you know what do our customers want 
sometimes for many organizations, unless they have a really good way to capture information and really understand who buys their products and services, it is a secret. They're like, we have no idea who we sell to, which is like, well, how in the world are you staying in business if you don't know who you're selling to? But yeah, I would love to, to hear more about you know, why you approached uh, the book in you know, a, a fictional kind of way uh, with a detective and, and instead of uh, what we tend to see a lot with classic business books of here's some premises, here's the challenges, here's you know, the solutions, which I know are in the book as well. But you know, the approach of doing it in a detective type style is definitely intriguing. So share a little bit about that. Sure. The, the format was inspired by the books of Patrick Lencioni. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with his books. I think the most famous one is this one called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, uh, which I read you know, maybe 12, 15 years ago. I remember I read it in a couple of hours. It was a pretty quick read. Uh, it was really enjoyable. Um, I never looked back at it since, but I never needed to because I never forgot what I learned. It really made a strong impression on me. I thought it was really useful. And um, so when I thought about, you know, how could you uh, create a vehicle to teach lots and lots of people how to understand customers, that that would be a good format. Um, and, uh, uh, and I chose a mystery format because, you know, I've done, you know, probably thousands of hours of work in my career doing research on customers in every mode, whether it's interviews or focus groups or surveys or observation and ethnography, you know, you name it. Um, and uh, it's always struck me that there was this parallel between that type of work and detective work. So when you go out and try to understand customers, you ask questions, you make observations, you gather clues, piece together patterns, you try to draw out insights to solve whatever business problem you're trying to solve. And it's it's kind of like a detective goes out and gathers clues and tries to crack the case. So when I was looking for a plot uh, device to narrate what it looks like and feels like to go do that in the market research context, I played on that parallel between you know detective stories and mystery stories. So the reason I did it in a fictional format is number one, to make it widely accessible, more engaging than maybe a more technical business book. But there's also something about this topic that I think is particularly amenable to this treatment. You know, I'm sure you've done you know, customer interviews, Michael. And, and, and when you're teaching somebody how to do that, often the most useful thing to start with is to have them watch you do it, right? And then you can step back and talk about what you did and what you learned from it. And to someone who hasn't done it before, um, oftentimes it can seem when you're observing it that it's a little bit random and it kind of jumps around from topic to topic and maybe seems uh, a little bit more undirected and chaotic than you would, would expect. But oftentimes the greatest insights come from those unpredictable directions the conversations take. And the art to doing it well is you want to allow, allow that to happen, but also have a way to know if you're getting the types of insights that you need. And I wanted to depict what that looks and feels like through the story. And there's a lot of scenes in this in the story of those types of interactions happening. And so people get a sense of what it really looks and feels like, but then they're able to step back and, and see the method behind the madness uh, as well. Yeah, I want to share one of those scenes uh, without giving away the book, of course, you know, but you know, one, one of the scenes that, that jumps out at you um, that uh, really plays out and, and gives some insight on on customers and experience and everything like that. 
Sure. So the, the, the story revolves around a fictitious chain of coffee shops, right? And the setup in the beginning is that there's this regional, northeastern regional chain of coffee shops that's grown very rapidly over the previous decade. And they're about to do an IPO to raise funding so that they can go national. But just at that time, when they're in the window of the IPO, their sales start to plateau and even decline. They start losing customers. And they're not sure why. And so it's it's a mystery. And, you know, following with the detective metaphor, I call it a market mystery. And so they hire a, a market research firm that bills itself as a market detective agency that does market investigations. And they come in and try to understand, you know, why are people coming to this cafe? What sorts of problems and goals do they have that lead them to go to this cafe? And, uh, uh, you know, so one of the early scenes is of them talking to this young woman who comes in, you know, several times a week, late morning to get uh, schoolwork done after her classes at a nearby school, right? And that's just one reason why we might all go into a cafe, right? And if you think about all the reasons that you might go into a cafe, I mean, it could be uh, things as simple as, well, you just want a cup of coffee while you're on the go on your way to work. Um, it could be that you want to park there because you're traveling. And, you know, that's something I used to do when I traveled in the pre-pandemic world. If I'm in a city um, on the road, I need to pop in and get some free Wi-Fi and have a mobile office space quickly. Uh, and I buy a cup of coffee because that's kind of the, the rent I, I perceive for taking up a table. Um, you know, other people might go there to socialize, to meet new people, to watch a game. Um, a lot of people go to cafes as part of a daily ritual, or maybe they take a break. So there are all these very different reasons that people are uh, consuming the same exact solution, right? The, the coffee and the cafe. And the, um, the, the story kind of gets into the richness of all of those different scenarios and why that changes who you're competing with, depending on, you know, the reasons they're going to your cafe and, um, uh, what what that means in terms of your strategy? That's a great way to do it too, especially in you know picking on a coffee shop. You know we know, you know there's some big players in in the coffee business. You know not to just single you know single those out, but sure. uh, but you know what they're doing, and then what other people in the marketplace are doing. Um, especially with growth and all that kind of stuff, definitely brings awareness. And I love how you, you say, okay, everybody just thinks, okay, why do people go into this coffee shop? And if you're just having a normal conversation about that, people will say, well, it's, you know, they go for this or this and they, they keep it pretty simple, but it gets really dynamic. You, you gave off, you know, several examples right there about, you know, why someone would go into a coffee shop you know, it could be that's their normal morning routine before they go on a nature trail hike or they're using it to, you know, that's their office because they don't need to you know, pay rent at an office space and they love coffee. So it's a win-win for them. And, and, and sometimes too, from customer experience, when you go into a coffee shop and there's other people there, you know, working and things like that, you feel like 
it's almost like a tribe type of situation. It's like, okay, uh, totally, I, yeah. I feel good about coming in here and, and grabbing a table and, and working on my laptop for a little bit because there are other people doing it. If you went into a place and you didn't see anybody doing that, you're like, hmm, are they going to kick me out after a half an hour? You know, I, I need to use this space for you know, at least a couple hours today. So there's all those interesting dynamics on top of, you know, the, the, different things that people buy. So I mean, that, that's a great example. So when you're you know, researching this book and you're writing this book and you're coming up with the different stories and things like that, obviously I'm guessing a lot of it came from your own personal experience, but you know, what were some areas that you had to do a little bit more research on uh, in order to you know, fill in you know, some of the gaps for the book, if there were any? Yeah, I, I'd say that um, you know, I, I, I went through a couple of other potential industries before I got to coffee shops <laughs> when I was trying to figure out what a good, you know, narrative backbone would be. Um, and those were more technical. And then, you know, the reason I finally landed on coffee shops is because one, I, I, I'm a consumer of them. I'm, I'm in them all the time. At least I used to be. And, and now thankfully I am starting to be. So again, now that we're, we were coming, coming out of the pandemic, hopefully, um, and I, I, I like you, I, I love to work in coffee shops. There's something, and especially when I'm traveling, I, I don't like to work alone in my hotel room. I like to be around other people. Um, and and it's also something everybody can relate to and we all kind of have a lot of experience with it. So because of that, I didn't need to do a lot of research about you know the industry and why people you know uh, go to coffee shops. Um, I did a little bit of research about uh, Italy. There's a there's a connection to Italy in the in the um, um, in the plot, and uh, I did a little research on on how you create uh, things like latte art, like you know when people put designs. Um, but th those were really relatively minor details and points in the story. Most of the methodologies are based on you know things that we've developed in our our client work over the last twenty years at Insight. Um, that fall into this uh, category, what people call jobs to be done. Are, are you familiar with the jobs to be done kind of approach to, to market research? And um, yeah. uh, I assume so. And and so the, the techniques and things that are taught are very much grounded in, you know, 20 years of, of client work that we've done. I love that. And, you know, it, you know, brought to light, you know, a few things, you know, and the, the jobs to be done stuff. And then it is also, you know, the dynamics and, and I, before I continue, I agree, you know, that working in the coffee shops is great. And, um, Spotify, Hey, Spotify, if you want to sponsor my show, you know, I'll, I'll take <laughs> Joe Rogan money, but Sp Spotify has music playlists that people create and curate and all that stuff. And because the coffee shops haven't been open for a long time, I'm, I'm like, there's something missing, you know, like working at home is like, okay, you know, fine. You know, you get everything set up. Everything's good. I'm like there's something missing. And I, I stumbled across, you know, that they, they had a handful of like morning coffee house playlists. So mm. this is music that is often played in coffee shops. So I played that on and, and it, it's amazing where it, it changed my way of working a little bit when mm. I was working on things and you know, depending on what I'm happy to be working on. It's like having that in the background, you know, keep the volume low. It's not a club. It's not, you know, the music's not blaring. It's just low. So it's in the background. I, I just found 
myself like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of flowing through this as I was drinking coffee and everything else. So, um, but I am looking forward to listening to coffee house music in a coffee house. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's one of those things you never, you never realize what you miss until, uh, until you can't get to do it for a while. And that's what I think everybody's been dealing with it. So, you know, what are some key takeaways from the book that you, that, uh, that you were really, you know, hammering home when, when you got the book finished? Yeah. So the, 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 I'd say the one of the central messages is, okay, if, if you accept this premise that everybody has customers, that means there are people or organizations whose problems and goals you want to understand so you can help them. Well then what is it you need to know? Uh, you know, if you're a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're working in a big company that enables you to, understand from the customer's perspective what it is they would find helpful, right? And so I assert that you need to learn a language and a method and a mindset. Uh, if, so what do I mean by language? Well, every craft out there has its own kind of specialized language and vocabulary that practitioners of the craft use to communicate with one another. So, you know, if you're an accountant, you talk about debits and credits and cash flows and income statements. You know, if you're a lawyer, you talk about torts and criminal law and civil law so that, you know, every discipline has its own vocabulary. So it should be the same with the craft of understanding customers, right? So you need a language that has a vocabulary that defines what are the things that you're actually trying to learn about somebody. And it needs you to lead them. It, it needs to tell you what, what is it you need to know and at the right level of detail um, so that you can create, you know, those rich solutions with nuanced elements to them, like the coffee shop playlist, right? Which is an important element of the experience. In your case, you were just describing. So you need a language. And the, so that's the first thing the book teaches is the language that tells you what it is you're trying to learn. Um, and that's where the jobs to be done methodology comes in. It's first and foremost, a language for describing what you want to learn. Then you need a method, right? For how you apply that language, go out into the world, gather that information, organize it, interpret it, you know, pull insights out of it that relate to whatever problem you're trying to solve. So there's a method associated with that. And then finally, you need to know what the mindsets are you wanna have as you go into those conversations that maximizes your chances of having them be useful, right? So you wanna go in there, uh, examples of mindsets with you know, genuine curiosity about whoever you're trying to learn about um, and uh, being authentically yourself, you know, willing to share things about yourself um, and, and so on. There's a few other mindsets as well. So there's a language method mindset. That's what uh, the book teaches. I love the foundation of that and how it you know plays out with again just you know sharing a story, having a detective go through different things, but ultimately with the goal of you know, you have customers. Customers have needs, and oftentimes the customer may not completely know what they want. They think they know, but when you start, you know, doing a little bit more detective work, which is a great right. way to do this, you can get out from them what their needs are that they may not have thought about when they entered into that particular store, shop, business, you name it. And getting to that means you'll provide a better, more more robust product or service for that customer 
which means they will be a returning customer and tell their colleagues and friends, yeah, I had this great experience working with this organization. But unless you do that research, it's a lost opportunity. And who knows how many trillions of dollars have been lost because businesses simply didn't do the detective work to figure out what their potential and even current customers truly want and need. Yeah, that, that's such a great point. Um, it, the, the, the mistake that it, it's very natural one to make, and there's a lot of reasons why organizations make it, especially as they become large and successful, right? So every startup, if it gets any traction in the world at all, it's because whether they are aware of it or not, they've created a solution to some problem that a customer finds compelling. So that had to happen or you know, they never would have gotten any traction initially. But once they start to grow and scale, you know, they, 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 they found a solution that works for some customer problem. They start to fixate on that solution, right? And making it better and better and organizing around those product category or product lines. They try to make that product more and more efficiently. They start to measure their success in terms of uh, products sold or market share with, as defined by the total number of those products sold. And um, all of those things kind of, uh, you know, they might do market research with customers, but it's sort of product centric in the sense of, well, what do you like about our product? What don't you like about our product? How could we make our product better? Um, Which is important. Those are important things to know. But all of those things kind of reinforce this product centric way of thinking about what it is you're doing. And it, 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 it risks disconnecting you from, you know, the, the fuel of what's driving anybody to, to buy your product in the first place, which is the problem that, you, that you're, you're solving for them. And if you don't stay anchored on understanding the problem, um, you know, you risk uh, continuing to innovate in ways that may not even matter to the customer or being disrupted by someone who comes in with a better solution. So we sometimes say that, um, and it, it might've been Jeff Bezos who said this, I don't know who said this, it wasn't me, <laughs> but, but I often say, that uh, you know, you should fall in love with the customer problem and not with your product, okay? and, and sort of obsess about the customer problem and not your product, because um, your your tendency will want to will, will be to want to do, you know, otherwise. I love that quote, and I don't remember, but I've heard it before too. But I don't remember yeah. who said it, but it, it it's it's completely true because if you fall in love with the problem, you're going to do something to resolve that problem, and when you fix problems. Uh, that's when you convert those problems to solutions and solutions to sales and your business grows and you have happy customers and it uh, impacts humanity in so many different ways. So Dave, David, I've loved this conversation today. Where can people find out more about you, your book and all the awesome work you're doing? Yep. Uh, there's a website for the book. It's marketdetective.com. You can learn more about the book. There'll be uh, uh, information, you know, deeper in, uh, uh, deep dives in some of the ideas in it going forward. And that's a good way to get in touch with me as well. Awesome. And I'll definitely have all that in the show notes. So David, thanks so much again for your time today. Love the book, love the, the format of it. Uh, so thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.